Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you've done Good evening. I'd like to welcome you to the Stop Child Abuse Now talk radio show sponsored by NASCA, which stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. Tonight is Monday, July 17, 2023. This is scan number 3,226. Scan stands for the Stop Child Abuse Now talk radio show. NASCA's website is www.nasca, which is N-A-A-S-C-A, dot O-R-G, and you can find our current scan show schedule on the front page of our website, and you can also look up any past shows by viewing our archives, and so tonight's show, as I mentioned, is scan number 3226. So it will be recorded and uploaded onto our website about a half an hour after the show concludes this evening. My name is Penelope Bennis, and I am from Bellevue, Washington. On my host team this evening is Kim Lakin from Colorado. Uh, we welcome you. We are also both adult survivors of child abuse. And the type of show we have tonight is um, it's actually a discussion show. It's an, it's an open Mike discussion show where Kim and I discuss and select a topic that's related to NASA's mission. Um, if you'd like to get involved in our show tonight, please feel free to call in to the following number. It's area code 646-595-2118. Again, that's area code 646-595-2118. And Kim will greet you on our back line and welcome you into our show. So as I mentioned, uh, we'll have an open mic, open talk of topic discussion night, um, which will uh, reflect uh, part of uh, the work that we do at NASCA, which is described in our mission statement, which I'll read to you right now. We have a single purpose at NASCA, and it's to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, uh, Sorry, I'm not wearing my glasses. Emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. The first goal is educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, 
which is abbreviated CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone. The second goal, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. So thank you for bearing with me as I found my reading glasses. Um, and a very, I'm very privileged um, to be a part of NASCA um, and the work that we do in serving NASCA's mission. Um, I see we have a growing panel. So we have Philip also from California that's joined us. Thanks for joining us, Philip, and it's great to see your name there. This is Penelope. I've been gone for a while, but um, welcome. Thanks, Penelope. Oh, my pleasure. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, as I mentioned tonight, uh, normally on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we um, allocate the show to uh, a special guest, anyone that wishes to come on and share their story um, with us um, of their childhood experiences. Uh, so if you're listening and if you are interested in coming onto the show, please um, feel free to reach out uh, to Bill Murray, um, our uh, founder and president of NASCA. Um, that information can also be found on the NASCA website. Um, but when we don't have a guest, special guest, and we do not have one tonight, we do open up the show um, for uh, a topic discussion. And... So Kim and I were, were talking before the show and talking about um, possible things to discuss. And I don't know, Philip or Kim, if you had anything top of mind. Um, otherwise, I can make a suggestion. I've had something top of mind for me lately. So, But I'll, I'll open it up to you first. Yeah, I know. That sounds good to me. We want to welcome you back. We're so glad that you're back. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you. Thank you. I am too. <laughs> I, do. Uh, I don't know. I'm just... Go ahead. Oh, no. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say I asked um, I asked Philip. I don't know if he has anything on that he wants to say either. But, but yeah, we're glad you're here. Philip, is there anything top of mind? I'm sorry, go on. We can talk about gratitude. We can talk about gratitude. 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 I like it. I like it. It is a really good one. Because gratitude is a very powerful, for me, in my own experience, it was a very um, powerful um, influence. Um, and, and something that I actually had to learn really what it was and how to express it and how to practice it in terms of gratitude. And, and I, um, it's something that um, I think being uh, living in the situation as a child, um, I was really in always a state of fight or flight and survival, that it wasn't something that was even um, um, in my consciousness or on my radar or within my awareness that it was even something um, that one could um, acknowledge um, and practice. Um, and I don't know if either of you had that experience um, with gratitude, but, but that was something that was came to me during um, when I started recovery, um, the whole concept. 
Yeah, I don't think that you can really understand it unless somebody has taught it to you. I mean, you're a product of how you were raised. Mm-hmm. So what do you have to say about it, Philip? Well, like Penelope said, it's hard to express it when you're in a state of flight or fright. In the past couple of days, I've been listening to a gratitude prayer on YouTube every morning. Oh, that's awesome. How has that Very made nice. an impact on the rest of your day? Wait. Did you say? So um, after... Um, after listening to that YouTube, um, 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 you know, video on gratitude in the morning, how has that has that had an impact on the rest of your day? I think it helps me feel more grounded. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. And, and I think as survivors, we need to do that more. And I know I lose, I've lost touch with that kind of trying to be grounded, so that's really good. It's easy to just go, get up and go. Yep. If I could, I'd like to read um, a little bit about gratitude. Um, Gratitude is one of many positive emotions. It's about focusing on what's good in our lives and being thankful for the things we have. Gratitude is pausing to notice and appreciate the things that we often take for granted, like having a place to live, food, clean water, friends, family, and even computer access. Um, That's just just one little um, blurb on gratitude. Uh, Another thing that I'd I'd like to read about gratitude, um, it's the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for and return, and to return kindness. What was that? So I was reading another quote on gratitude. Um, It says, gratitude is the quality of being thankful. It's the readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Okay. Got it. Yeah, here's a better, I think this is a little bit more um, descriptive on gratitude. Um, it's a positive state of being grateful, an overwhelming feeling of appreciation and thankfulness, and the desire to return kindness to others. Was that the Google definition? So can you, I'm sorry, can you repeat that, Philip? Penelope, was that the Google definition? No, it's just a, a quote that I found um, online. Um, Google has the I, same definition. Oh, it does? That's yeah. good. Um, so as you know, I, I, I teach mindfulness um, and meditation and I'm a yoga instructor, we always would talk about setting an intention um, at the beginning of a, of a practice or at the end. Um, and an, an intent, and the, 
And so sort of what you're doing, what you described in the morning about watching a YouTube video on gratitude is really setting the stage, right, setting the tone and intention and the theme for your day. And, uh, and as you described, you know, you, you, you know you're more positive um, during the day. It's made an impact on your day when you start the day with your YouTube video. Um, yeah, I guess so. But planting a seed in the morning, you know, in your mind and, and allowing it to grow throughout the day. There's a pretty good song on YouTube by Brandon Lake and it's called Gratitude. Hmm. That's great. So we were talking a little bit about... Yeah. Yeah, put it on. You have it right there? No, I don't. Oh, okay. No, I think I've heard it, though. I'll have to look it up. Called Gratitude. By Brandon Hmm. Okay. Um, so before we started the show, Penelope and I were talking about a, a new counseling that I'm going to, the equine therapy, and I mentioned that you have we had the um, gal that I guess invented the certain, you know, the specific therapy on the NASCA show. And um, then she put me in touch with somebody else that's closer by me. And so I went to my first therapy session last week, last Thursday. And when we were done, she had me pick out a card. And there were these beautiful cards. I could even post it on NASCA with a horse on the, on the front on one of the side. And then on the other side, I picked out, then it has a, an, you know, like an affirmation for the day. And um, I, you know, just reached down and picked this out, and I was going to share it with you because it's kind of along the same lines. It doesn't mm-hmm. say gratitude on it, but kind of along the same lines is what we're talking about. And setting an intention. And so my therapist has asked me to send just like an emoji or, you know, a thumbs up or something, you know, that I read this every single morning, and so, which is good for me because then that holds me accountable. And um, so I've been trying to do that is set that intention. Like, that's awesome. And I'm glad that you brought that up. But it's, it's, um, the card I picked was Harmony. And it has um, little horses at the bottom of it, too. It says, vibrations of love and acceptance are emanating from you and around you at this time. You are seeking peace and simplicity at this juncture and offer the same to everyone about you. Notice all the beauty around you. Open your heart, sharing affirmations, affection, and love with those you care about. Your innate ability to seek harmony and to create it where it is lacking makes you a magnet to others. Gentleness, peace, love, and beauty are your tools as you are living your true purpose. At this time, seek to sustain tranquility, simplicity, and harmony. In your journey. That's gorgeous. That was That's gorgeous. Yeah. It's good. I love and that. So it, it is something to 
look to look at every morning and to start getting into that habit of setting an intention for the day. And um, one of the the, the publisher whose book I was in last, um, the Stop the Silence by Pamela Payne, the publisher mm-hmm. is Bray Healer Productions. And I've tried to, I wanted her to come on here too, but it's just, it's kind of late for her, I guess, where she's at. And so it's been kind of hard to coordinate that. But, um, but she's really good about also bringing, we've got this Monday morning breakthrough that she does. On Monday mornings, we all get together, you know, whoever can get together and, and just talk about our week and share what we're up to. And it's really just a beautiful thing. You know, I think we all need to kind of have some kind of accountability to, to continue to stay in the right mindset because I know my mind has been all over the place with last year. It's been crazy. <laughs> so yeah. To be kind of setting down and setting intentions is really good. I have another topic. That's pretty good, Kim. Yeah. You have something else? Struggling with honesty. Honesty? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You mean in terms of the truth of, uh, your, of what's happened to you in your life? Or like if somebody asks you, like right now I'm struggling with sharing how I feel or pain I'm going mm-hmm. through, whether it's physical or emotional or mental, mostly physical, because I'm afraid of the consequences. Mm-hmm. So that sounds more a little bit more like a, a reticence to being um, vulnerable, right, to, to really exposing all of your emotions and allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I mean, vulnerability, I think, is a scary place to be if you've been um, hurt in the past. Um, I mean, vulnerability means we open ourselves up and we put our, you know, for me at least, especially growing up the way that I did, I always was on the defense. I had my armor up because I had to. So being able to release that and allowing myself to... um, be very exposed in, in terms of just my emotions. It feels very, um, I feel vulnerable. And I feel um, that I'm, you know, putting myself out there to be very easily hurt. And I don't know if you've experienced the same thing with uh, allowing yourself to just be that open um, and to let your guard down, as the saying goes. Kim? Yeah. Would that be? Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, was going to see what you have to say for us. I think that um, the whole honesty thing has been hard for me, too, because I know what, you know, what specifically I need to do most of the time. It comes naturally to us. It's like our instinct that we always try and put away and <laughs> try not to listen to it all. We know what we're, you know, what we should be doing and what we're kind of called to do. But our, um, I, I know with me, anyway, my insecurities definitely play a huge part. 
and then just going out and doing it. So I've lied to myself for many years, you know, saying my marriage could be fixed. And I kept thinking that and thinking that even last year or so. Where really it's the, the probably more I'm scared. I don't think that it can ever be fixed. I'm just scared to take that one step, you know, because it has been something. And I know that when I get into a, a what I feel like a comfortable, safe situation, I would be more inclined to just stay there if I don't push myself and then I kind of feel myself like I have with all these surgeries that I had recently mm-hmm. in just the last five or six years, period, getting into a depression. And so I think as survivors, we do need to really pay attention to how we are creating our our day and our intentions and our universe around us. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's easy to they're off track. But I also think on a certain level, Philip and Tim, I, I do think that, you know, if you're an adult survivor of child abuse or of abuse and trauma, we have become very good at protecting ourselves. And there are times when, you know, if if I'm not ready to do something, if I'm not ready to take a step, um, if I'm feeling the need to, you know, not make myself vulnerable or be completely honest with somebody about how I feel, you know, I think sometimes you have to trust your intuition. You know, maybe there's something that's telling you by the instincts that were developed um, in terms of survival instincts that it's just not quite safe yet, that you're just not ready yet to do that. It's just a way of protecting the self. And there are times when I just have to trust that too, you know, that I've been my own parent for a very, very long time because I had to be, and um, I have to trust my instinct and, you know, to be gentle with myself and allow myself to be ready um, in my own time to, you know, go to the next level. So I think, you know, there's I mean, that's a fine line. I guess is why they call it recovery because it's something we're always working on is to really be discerning about, you know, am I, am, I, am I holding myself back because I'm frightened? You know, is this a trigger for me? Or is this something that I need to trust my instinct because I'm protecting myself, you know, and I need to trust myself that when I'm ready, it'll happen. I just think that's part of the whole process of recovery. I needed to hear that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and I know. We're all believers. Yeah, say that again. Yeah, you know, like, I need to hear that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where our faith comes in. I know that three of us are, are believers, so, you know, a big part mm-hmm. of that is just putting our trust in God is going to direct us in the right path. And I think that has been my guiding light for, you know, forever. Even when I in spite of it, I still know that God is going to direct my path. Mm-hmm. Whichever way I go. I know he wants me to do what he just created me to do. So as long as I'm walking that path, then I'm doing it right even if it's hard. That is true, to have faith. I I do agree. But I, I do think, you know, 
I do think, Philip, you know, you have to, I mean, I think we need to give ourselves grace um, um, a lot of times and be gentle with ourselves and not to put too much pressure on ourselves. Um, you know, one, one person may be, um, you know, more comfortable with, you know, vulnerability, uh, and that's good for them, but, you know, when it comes to ourselves, it's, we not we may not be there yet, you know, um, and that's okay. I think it's okay to say, I'm just not ready for this yet. You know, that's 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 self care, um, and I think sometimes just being gentle with ourselves and, and giving ourselves permission to say, you know, it's okay. It's you know, I'm not weak and I'm not failing because I'm I'm not ready to be vulnerable, you know, and to show all my emotion, you know. Um, I think we just need to give ourselves permission to um, be gentle with ourselves. So, um, I want to that there's there's no there's no um, you know there's not a timer um, that's gone off on the recovery process for me. I don't have to, you know, race to the finish line and have everything completed um, by a certain time. You know, nobody's clocking my recovery. Um, you know, I'm not going to lose if, you know, I have to pause on certain things or take some time for myself or even take a break. Um, you know, everybody goes at their own pace, and um, it's okay. It's okay to go your own pace. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's true. I, I don't think that um, that I was ready for specific things this last year. And so, I do keep going back to put to that, that God is going to guide me in the right direction. So, if I just keep moving that direction... Mm-hmm. Okay. I think also it's so. I I just I. Um, how do I want to say this? <laughs> how am I saying this? I don't know. I'm lost. I, I lose my words sometimes. But I I admire you, Philip. I do admire you because you are so much younger than I am when you're starting to think about this stuff, and it's going to be so much. Not that it's going to be easier, but. It's just, it's helpful to know where you're starting from and, you know, who can help you in this life. So you having those two things down at your age is huge. And I admire that about you. Mm-hmm. I know, and not everything's perfect. I know that, too. But you're asking the questions and you're trying to figure it out. I admire that. Hey. So that is, I totally agree with what Kim just said. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm, I started recovery um, at the age of 46. Um, I'm 53 now, but, you know, I wish I had done it when I was 26, you know, but, um, or 23, 
but it's okay. You know, I can't turn back the hands of time. Um, I'm glad I started, but I, but had I started 20, 30 years ago, um, I would be that much further in, in my recovery, you know, my recovery. Um, so I think it's great. I mean, that's our goal at NASCA, right? It's, it's, we, we know we can't, you know, stop and prevent child abuse altogether. I wish we could. But if we can, we can reach, you know, through our voice and breaking the silence, if we can reach um, survivors earlier on in their lives, you know, in their early 20s, even 30s, even early 40s, because um, the average age is 52, if any, you know, um, in our country, that's according to Child USA. Um, if we can intervene earlier and earlier, that is progress, and that is that is that is that is making a, a move. That is moving the needle, um, and that's a good thing. You'll get a second chance in heaven to know, please. I'm sorry, Phil. Can you say that again? Sophie, you'll get a second chance in heaven. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, I think it would have helped us a lot with our raising our kids, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I just think of so much more of the things I could talk to my kids about if I would have started so much earlier. Yeah. And, you know, how that relationship? Could have been oh, absolutely. A lot stronger. Then. Yes, exactly. Because you interrupt those patterns. You know, you, you notice when you interrupt them, and you don't repeat them. And and absolutely, there. You know, that's the big. You know, it's like when I grieve. That's what I grieve. Really, I grieve that um, I didn't do it sooner because of the fact. You know, that I didn't have the knowledge. You know, and I didn't break the patterns until they were well into their, you know, teen years. Because um, you're right, Kim, it would have, it would have, you know, had such a tremendous impact on the way that I raised them and the patterns and the things that they observed. Um, but text and gratitude, right, Philip and Kim, I'm, I am glad that I started when I did. And I am glad that my kids have observed this. And they've seen mom change. And they haven't liked it. It hasn't been all, it hasn't been easy, but I'm hopeful that it has had some impact on them and that it will serve them as well. Um, and that they're not going to, you know, because I've been able to break some of the patterns, um, that that will help them, you know, that they won't repeat them. So I'm grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful that I did it at all, you know. Um, so there. Thank you, Philip. That's that's yes. my gratitude. There's some gratitude right there. <laughs> You're welcome. Because I can say, um, you know, um, I know others um, that I observe that haven't that are raising their children um, that um, haven't addressed the patterns, and I've seen the pattern, the the, the trauma and the abuse. Um, cycle again and be repeated again um, and that's so painful to watch um, so um, better late than never what can I say <laughs> right 
Mm-hmm. Well, no, and I mean, you didn't even, it wasn't, I, I think you kind of did what I did. It was like you knew then at the time that you started to talk about it that you had to do more. It wasn't just, okay, I'm going to you know, talk about it and let it be that. You, know, mm-hmm. you look for other ways to help others that are in your situation and that's admirable to you. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, Philip and, and Kim, I think, you know, the work that we do um, within NASCA, you know, this is, this is a, like we say in our mission statement, this is a worldwide pandemic. Child abuse, uh, childhood sexual abuse, and, you know, taking a stand is a difficult thing to do, but it's an important thing to do. And stand and, and taking a stand, um, and uh, especially when um, sometimes the, the currents are working against you, it takes a lot of fortitude and strength of character. And I, you know, um, there are things in, in life that are worth fighting for, and this is definitely one of them. And um, albeit not easy, um, um, the important work a lot of the times is not easy work. And I think that's the example, too, is it does a lesson in that um, and, in, and in the perseverance of, of doing this work and the commitment that it takes. Um, and so um, um, I think that, you know, it, the impact is, is there um, within our families and, and um, even those that know us, that know about the work that we do or the, uh, the, the own personal work that we're doing. Um, you know, people, I think the, the, best, the best you can do is be an example, you know, and stand and stand firm in that. And uh, um, versus, I just think that that's very powerful. And so, uh, you know, I, 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 as hard as it is, um, it's, there's definitely, I'm, I'm grateful, you know, I have gratitude, again, that um, the NASA platform in which I can do that, you know, that there's a community here. Um, where we can stand together um, and, and strengthen each other in that. Um, this is not easy. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I was wondering, I'm not trying to pressure you or anything, Philip, but did you ever because I hadn't noticed, did you ever get back on to tell your story? Are you still working on that? Still working on that. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no pressure, like I said. I was just curious. Because if you had, I wanted no to pressure. No pressure? <laughs> no pressure. No. Right. No pressure. <laughs> Whenever you're ready. <laughs> we just like having you on as part of the panel, too. We're glad All right. Absolutely. Thank you. I like being here. (laughs) I have another topic. Yeah. Let's hear it. Self-belief. Okay. Self-belief. Self-belief? Yeah, belief. Like believing in yourself. 
for thank you. Oh, believe me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's a really good. That's a great topic, Philip. I think that could be interpreted in many ways, too, right? Because if I can just share, and that I know what happened in my childhood and throughout my adult life, even in my, within my family of origin, you know. Um, I know the truth of the things that happened. And so does my family of origin because they were there. They witnessed everything firsthand. But when the people that were there that witnessed it in the first person tell you that when you recall the events that you're lying and um, because they don't want the truth to come out, it is hard to believe in yourself and the truth of your, of your experience. So I struggle still with a lot of self doubt, not about what happened, but about speaking about it and bringing it out. Um, and so I really struggle with that a lot. Um, can, does, it, does that resonate oh, yeah. with either one of you? Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense to you, Philip? Yes. I it think does. that, yeah, I think that pretty much my whole life I've doubted a lot. Of, you know, like every decision that I make, I have doubt about it. And I think where I've grown is being able to push through that if I know that it's something that, even though I have doubts about it, it's something good. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, as a child, or even younger, even as a younger adult, I would want to just put it away, you know, just because I I can't do it because I doubt that I can do it or I was told that I couldn't as a child, you know, wouldn't amount to something or whatever. So those, yeah, those voices still come back all the time. But I've, I feel like I've gotten better at managing them. What about you, Philip? Um, I struggle with that too. I think a lot of people who have daddy issues struggle with that. I don't know if you had daddy issues or mommy issues or whatever, but I think people that have daddy issues struggle with that. Yeah. Well, because I think even no matter if you are a, a little girl or a little boy, you look up to your dad. I mean, well, I guess you could, I mean, really, you look up to both of them. Because that's what you know. That's what you're born into. And that's where you learn all of your stuff. So you look, you know, you look up to them, and if they don't validate you in any way, then it, you're going to have a lot of self-doubt. You need that validation. I agree. There's a lot of, absolutely. In fact, um, there's an article that I once referenced for NASA. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to find. Let's see here. Someone once said it's like um, I'm trying to remember the exact quote. 
But basically, you know, a parent, you know, a parent or a guardian, but coming into this world, you know, and I'm, I'm going to refer to my own experience. These are my biological parents. So those that are, I would say, biologically bound to love and protect me, you know, and to nurture me and, and to comfort me and to um, when when that is shattered um, in infancy, I mean, I was born into abuse, um, and you're scared and you don't feel loved and you feel alone. Um, I felt like I had to earn that love and protection. I had to earn that, which was really a birthright. Um, and so, yeah. you know, I spent every, from the, the time I was born, I mean, my psyche developed that every waking moment I tried to, to, to prove that I was worthy of that. You know, it stuck to my, you know, to my self-consciousness like super glue, you know, um, that, that need to just prove that I was worth loving. And that's a pattern that um, literally I, I tried to, to get that from um, my father up until the day he died. I never did. Um, and I, when he died, I was, I was distraught. And, I, I, you know, what I'd worked so hard on my life to achieve, I just felt like I failed. And what I realized is that wasn't me. He was incapable but it goes, you know, way back to having lived that pattern for, I was, gosh, I was 47 um, when he passed away. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's this, this, you know, this innate longing and desire for children to um, feel that they have the love and protection, this unconditional love and protection from their parents. Um, and that's, you know, obviously when you're born into an abusive home, um, that's not the case. Um, and especially, you know, these cycles that persist and, and the child's um, upbringing, especially those, well, it doesn't matter what happens, but um, in those first three years of life is when a child's esteem is established in that early childhood development, their attachment, um, and so many different things. So, I mean, you know, the work that we're doing is hard work because we're, we're, we're breaking with some very... Um, ingrained, you know, patterns that, um, that are, um, they're not easy, um, to shift, but it's possible to shift them. So, it's possible to that? Absolutely. It's possible. It, it takes work, but it's absolutely possible to shift that. Um, for me, that was just, that, that really was, well, it was everything that you talked about, Philip, I mean, in terms of, um, practicing gratitude um, and um, self-love and, um, you know, Kim and I were talking about different therapeutic modalities. I mean, for me, um, um, cognitive behavioral therapy was a big part of it. Um, I've been seeing the same psychologist for, been very lucky, I found a very good trauma-informed trained psychologist. Um, That's been six years and I was able to do that, but it took, it took some time. It took a lot of hard work, and um, it was worth it. Um, but finally, I finally realized that, um, um, you know, um, my father just he wasn't capable of it. This wasn't something he was capable of. And I finally accepted that it wasn't because I wasn't lovable. 
you know, it wasn't, and that I didn't deserve what happened to me. So I had to work through that process. I had to forgive myself. So I think children blame themselves a lot. There's a lot of self-blame when we aren't treated um, properly by our parents um, and and self-hate. So I had to learn to forgive myself and to put the onus um, back on uh, the abusive um, events. I had to give that back to my parents. I had to take it off of my... I had to, I had to actually take it off of my plate. <laughs> like carrying a suitcase, I had to put it in the suitcase and I had to ship it back to them. And I did that by writing letters to them about the great things and about the not great things. And I said, I've got two suitcases. One I'm going to keep because these things were great about my upbringing, about my you know, life with you, my childhood. And here were the things that were not great, like really not great, like horrific, heinous times. This is the suitcase that I'm giving back to you. And I'm delivering it in a letter, and it's yours to take because I've been carrying it for way too long. And that's what I did. That took me, it took me a couple years to give my dad his suitcases um, or to talk to my dad about his suitcases, about the one that I was giving back to him and the one that I was keeping. And it took me five and a half years. My mother was more, it was harder. My mother was much harder because I believe she was the more abusive of the two parents, quite frankly. Um, but I did that. So that was that it's possible that people are, does that make, I don't know if that makes sense, but it was it was a uh, it's possible. So, and I'll tell you something else. After I did that, I was so scared. I was so scared to give them those suitcases, talk to them about those suitcases, to write those letters, and to give them back what they needed to carry for themselves. You know, I was so scared to do that. And I didn't do it in a mean way. I did it in a very loving way. Um, in a very respectful way. I was, I mean, it was, just, it was the most frightening thing I've ever done. I mean, I was physically shaking when I actually gave them these letters that represented these suitcases. But I'll tell you that um, I felt, after I had done it, I felt a sense of peace that I had never experienced before in my entire life and a lightness because I did not realize what I had been, the burdens I had been carrying that were not mine to carry. And I think children, you know, that become adults, that don't go through this work, this is my own opinion. I don't know if it, it, the perspective is doing the work and, and releasing the burden. And, and when I think about how many adult survivors are walking around out there, um, you know, that, that have yet to disclose or go through the recovery process. Um, I hope, you know, the, the work with NASCAR, I hope that, you know, in breaking our silence, that, that we encourage others to start to start speaking of the things that, it, that happened to them, only because I've experienced um, the other side of recovery and of releasing uh, those, uh, those burdens. Um, and uh, the peace and the, and the contentment um, that comes with it. I mean, I, I can truly say now I can live a, a very joyful life. I have a lot of gratitude. Um, and I really credit that to the work that I did um, in my recovery. 
I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think also what I'd like to maybe just say is your abuser doesn't have to be dead either to do that. And I think that I thought that for a long time and probably emotionally, you know, at times might be a little bit more of a struggle as far as sharing my story and knowing that he's still around. Um, but I, I've also, I also didn't have very good boundaries even when I started with journey with him and I'm setting up those boundaries and it's hard because he's getting older too. And so there's times that I'm just like, well, what if he dies on, you know, I'm like that, how am I going to feel? But I need to just continue to do the work that I need to do because if I, if I waited until he died, I'd still be waiting to start this work. And I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to keep waiting because everybody else is kind of navigating my life for me in a way that I don't necessarily want it to go. I need to start taking charge of it. I said, that's one of my things I have on my mirror. Only I can change my life. No one can do it for me. Mm-hmm. I like that phase. <laughs> that's so true, Kim. And, and I, I commend you, though, for, for um, what you just said about, well, everything you just said, but specifically as well, what you just said about, you know, you don't have to wait till your abusers passed away. I mean, I, I gave my father his suitcase back. Um, well, I told about the two suitcases, and I mentioned the great things, too, the, what I was keeping and what I was giving back to both my parents, but they were both alive. And I did, my father actually died, I think I told you, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and he died two weeks later. So thankfully I had this letter written already. You know, I had not, I just had not um, read it to him yet. So, but the point is that I'm glad I had it ready. I'm glad that while he was alive and with my mother, I also did it fairly recently. Um, She is still alive and of course, it, it's affected our relationship now that she's still alive because she's really angry because she's not willing to acknowledge um, she's angry with me for healing, right? But with my dad, who has died now, um, to your point, I have such a sense of peace that I gave him back what was his, rightfully his, in a loving way um, while he was alive. Um, I think that the greatest gift a daughter can give her father or a daughter can give her stepfather is the gift of truth in a loving way. Because honestly, I gave him back what was his. And, you know, any, any father or stepfather that loves his daughter doesn't want her carrying things that aren't hers to carry. And so, you know, I gave him a chance to repent and to, to own what he should own. You know, I think by carrying what all of those things that happened to me, you know, he had guilt over what he had done, you know, and possibly had guilt because he knew that I was carrying the guilt for him. And I think that there was some relief, even as uncomfortable as it was, that I probably, you know, gave that back to him. So I honestly felt it was a very loving thing to do. Um, and 
I mean, you're a mom. Would you ever want your child carrying a horrible burden um, that was paining them when it was yours to deal with, not theirs? I mean, as a parent? Yeah. I think, no, I don't think that you want that for your child, you know. Yeah. I don't think, and I don't think my mom did for me, but she made a conscious choice to turn her head at the yeah. time that it was going on. And so, you know, that that's where, like you said, it's just, it was a lot more freeing probably to be able to get that out before he passed away. I can't do that with my mom. So now I'm working on that in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> because I haven't had any of that opportunity to, to, to you know, go through all of this stuff. Yeah. And, um, and I can only go, you know, there's only certain times that I can talk to my dad, even though we've yeah. had some pretty good discussions. But, um, but yeah, I think I think that what I noticed though, and this is this, I can tell happens in my family. I mean, it's probably just generational. This is what people do: is when you when you go to to try and talk to somebody about something, no matter what you say, it comes off hard it comes off bad to them and yeah you know I think that that's where therapy comes in huge and that's I've told everybody in my family I'm like you know what it would help tremendously if I wasn't the only one trying to you know trying to relate yeah. to you people you've all yeah. got it you know we've all got to do our part and it doesn't right. make it harder it doesn't make it impossible but and like you said you can just give it to them and then walk away but um but some of us, and, and I know even, I don't want to talk to Philip, but, you know, maybe his situation's a little bit different just because of where he's at right now in life and yeah. in the home. So what do you think, Philip? Do you have any thoughts on um, that? I don't have any thoughts on that. <laughs> okay. That's fine. But, yeah, I think it would have been a lot harder for me to do it. Living in their house, uh, you know, in the for sure. Well, and I wasn't emotionally ready at that time, really. Yeah. Well, and I do understand what you're saying, too. I mean, about, you know, I, I know your mother um, has passed away, and so, you know, you don't have the opportunity, you know, to, you know, direct address with her and give her back some of these things. And, and I, I do, I understand how difficult that is because, before my father died, when I when I read him the letter and I gave him back the suitcase full of things, I had yet I had not yet been able to verbalize that he had molested me. So that was not mentioned, and that was something that I was able to speak of after he died. So I've had to come to terms with that after his passing, and so I do understand how, you know, I've had to come to terms with that, and he's not alive for me to talk to him about it. Um, that has been hard. I do understand that, you know, and and I have to. There's so many questions, you know. I have, I mean, questions, you know. <laughs> that's one way to put it, you know, about, you know, <laughs> why, you know. But uh, so I understand that 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 when when someone has has passed on, um, it's a it's there's a lot to work through there. Um, as to, to quote my psychologist, Dr. Weber, 
you know, a lot of people have conversations with the dead. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, I guess I have to have one, you know. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm, well, flip, I'm getting there. On the, <laughs> yeah. On the flip side, you oh, know. Yeah. On the flip side, it does take courage, um, whether someone's alive, whether someone's not alive. Um, because if you're going to stand um, um, in your own truth, as Philip mentioned, you know, when you stand firm and you do not have self-doubt and you speak the truth, and there are those that don't want the truth to be known, um, there is fallout. Um, so, um, you know, while my mother is still alive, um, there's, you know, uh, what has happened since, since that conversation is, you know, another story for another day. So, you know, it's, um, you know, it is what it is. It's one of, you know, you don't have a, a mother. I'm sorry, go on. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, you don't have much contact with her, do you? Um, well, basically, um, yeah, basically, um, my mother, um, took, basically pitted my two siblings against me. She told lies to them. Um, she um, um, knew, um, I think, some of the ways that um, they would react um, to, um, she was very manipulative, and she basically um, intentionally ruined the relations between her children um, to, to pretty much ally herself with my siblings against me. Um, and basically it was a punishment and an ultimate, ultimate betrayal. She, even though she, like your mother, knew what was going on and was the other way when my father was molesting me, um, you know, um, still calls me a liar. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been very painful. Um, you know, but, so there, you know, but um, um, I can't control how she reacts to, you know, having to, you know, be delivered, you know, the things that she's responsible for and in, in her actions in her life. So, but no, so, so right. our relationship is, is very, is um, very difficult. Um, and well, I, well, yeah, I mean, that, it, you, yeah, you've got to put your boundaries. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I've accepted that she's, um, you know, she says she's, 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 she is, she's not going to change. She's not going to change her patterns or her behavior um, or her treatment or her abuse. Um, and um, she's uh, consistent. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's consistent anyway, huh? <laughs> yeah. And your siblings so, still are are talking to us to this thing. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're all. I mean, I basically, you know, my sister and I have some dialogue, but um, my brother and is completely estranged from me, and um, which saddens me. My mother is basically estranged from me. My sister is semi estranged from me because they all were angry with me. They'd rather just, you know keep the status quo of living in the patterns and keeping everything in secret. Yeah, there's no relationship. There's really... Yeah. Um, so, 
I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, we have another caller. Should we? Should I just bring them on? Bring them on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to unmute your line. I'm not going to give your full number, but um, area code nine three one five zero five. I'm not going to the last four digits, but you are on um, the NASCA show. Your uh, mic has been unmuted, and we welcome you into the show if you'd like to. Say something, feel free. Well, thank you. I've been listening to um, NASCA for probably about a month now, listening to different, not every night, but listening to a lot of your programs. And tonight, it really hit home. And um, so I'm just thankful that that I don't feel so abnormal, (laughs) that, Mm -hmm. that this is, you know, telling my story and um, everybody wanting me to keep quiet um, is is very hurtful. Um, but I feel that we all have to continue to tell our story um, like you've mentioned before tonight and just to keep going. So it really helps when you talk about in subjects like this because it gives strength. Thank you. And you know, you're not alone. Um, I, that's the thing about NASCA is we, we understand. Um, I mean, our stories may be slightly different, but our feelings are largely the same. And I, I understand how that feels to um, have that inside you and, uh, and, and, and uh, the shame that comes along with um, you feel that our others are looking down upon you for speaking, but but again, the need to say something and release right. the truth. Absolutely, and it almost feels like it almost feels like um, as a child when I and young adult when I was being abused um, by a parent. That now, years and years later, because I lived in so much denial, <clears throat> that. I'm almost being victimized again. And I don't consider myself a victim. I consider myself a survivor and I'm a warrior um, because I don't want this to happen to other kids like it's happening and has happened for generations. But I just feel if we all tell our stories that even if we reach one person and can change their life, it's worth it. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it takes a lot of courage. Because a lot of times we feel like we're standing alone within our own families. When you're the one that finally says, you know, I'm going to break the pattern of secrecy and sleeping under the carpet, and I'm going to say what happened, and I'm going to address what happened, um, and I'm not going to stand for what happened. I'm going to, um, you know, because... Silence is the most prolific enabler of the cycle of abuse to continue, and I always say that. Silence enables these cycles to continue because they go unaddressed. So breaking the silence is very powerful because when you break the silence and you bring things into the open, you bring awareness to it, and then those that are perpetrating the crime have, you know, there's a magnifying glass, and they're under a microscope. 
Um, so the silence is something that I believe that the members of our family or those that know what's going on, that is their biggest weapon, right, to keep the cycle going. So breaking that silence is like, you know, as you're so courageous to do and coming on the show and, and speaking right now. Um, this is, that is, you know, we have, it's the antidote. It's really the antidote um, in terms of breaking the cycle. And it takes tremendous courage, and I really applaud you. Being the first is so hard. The thing I've noticed is in my family of origin, nobody ever talks. Things happen. You know, I saw things that no child should ever see or experience, and um, nobody ever talked about it. We just didn't mention it. We didn't talk about it to each other, and it just seems that Still, nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. I know. I know that. Denial is a disease. It really is. Um, And it's a denial and the shame and the secrecy. You know, it's really the denial and and the shame that that silence, um, you know, everyone that knows and and other family members. but it takes a lot of courage, as I just said. It, take, it takes a lot of courage um, to be the first to stand um, alone in a family, um, especially for the generation, you know, these cycles of abuse have continued on and on. It sounds like in your family, you know, this has been cyclical and been going on. I mean, what you're doing is, mm-hmm. is incredibly courageous. It is absolutely heroic. Um, and... Uh, I know it can feel very, very isolating. Um, I know. I mean, I, I know Kim, who's my co-host tonight, has had that experience. I've had that experience. Um, but I can only tell you from my own experience that as isolating as it felt, you know, once I started going down the path of recovery and once I broke my silence, I realized that I could never go back. And I could never, I could never stay, and be a member of of the family that was, you know, on the other side, on the silent side, um, and uh, and even small, you know, small things that I would do had a tremendous impact. So, so you know, you taking a stand, you know, you being on the on the show, you you speaking, even small what I consider smaller things make a big impact. So, so nothing that you're doing is, is, is not making an impact. And I, I think we need to remember that because um, um, it, it, it is important. It's important. If I, I commend. Feel, oh, go on. I'm sorry. I, w- I was just going to say commend you tonight and your stories tonight that I've listened to um, because that brings encouragement it brings encouragement and, and helps, I know, not only me, but other listeners that we can go on because there's more. We're not, we're not alone. And I think that's a big mm-hmm. thing going through all of this is, is to feel alone and isolated, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, too. And we just have to, like you said, be courageous and, and keep mm-hmm. going. But it helps when I hear other stories, when I hear your stories. Mm-hmm. It helps me 
continue on, on this journey that I know is right, and I couldn't go back either. So thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'd just like to actually share one, one more well, story or thought. It was, um, gosh, uh, the first time I came on NASCA and I told my story, I had never even called into one of the shows and been on the panel. Um, I'd heard about NASCA. I was looking for a recovery group because I was, I'd been in therapy for a couple years and in, in recovery, you know, real, you know, going through that process of just bringing up all the childhood abuse. Um, but I'd just been able to speak of the fact that, you know, beyond the physical and emotional abuse, the sexual abuse uh, perpetrated by my father. So I was looking for a recovery group. Um, I lived, lived in Bellevue, Washington at the time, like an in-person recovery group. You know, I went online and I wanted to go. I just was so, I was just struggling. I mean, I just wanted someone that could relate to my experience. And there was no recovery group in Bellevue. There was no one that could relate. And even though I was, you know, seeing um, a psychologist, um, who I disclosed, um, who had been with me through my, the inception recovery process, and I was still seeing once a week. I just felt that he could understand because he was not a sexual abuse survivor. I wanted someone that had walked in, in my shoes. Um, so I found NASCA online because I couldn't find, it, like I said, um, a, a recovery group, a live, a live one to go and, and sit in person in Bellevue. And so I started listening. Um, I'd heard about the shows. And I contacted Bill Murray, and without even ever going on the panel, I signed up to be a special guest don't, and tell my story. And don't even ask me why I did this. I couldn't tell you why I did this. I just, I think I knew in my mind because I was just able for the first time to disclose that I was sexually abused by my father. And I was 48 years old or four, just turning 49 years old, and he started sexually abusing me when I was three so that's how many decades I've just been held inside. So I think the reason I signed up to be a special guest was because I knew that if I came on the show, which was archived, and I told the world, I would not be able to take it back. Like, I couldn't swallow it back down. Like, it would be out there, and I just couldn't deny it anymore. Like, it, was, it, would, it would be there, if that makes sense. So that's a little bit of background. So it's November, I think it was November 6, um, 2018. 2019, I'm going on the show, the NASA show. I'm shaking in my boots, thinking, what am I doing? I'm going to tell my story to the world. Um, and there was actually a nice panel on the NASA show that night. There were about six or seven um, longtime NASA family members. And shaking in my boots, my, my voice was cracking. I actually came up with this chronology, and I started telling my story. And um, I was... I was really surprised because they broke Bill or the, the host broke to the panel and these panel members were like saying, yep, yep, yep. I'm nodding while you're telling your story. I can totally relate. And I received the support that I, I was dumbfounded. I, I, I did not expect that. I just thought I was going to go on and regurgitate my story. But every time they broke the panel, you know, I was met with, this understanding, and I found this group of people, this platform that, I mean, they had very similar experiences, and they totally understood where I was coming from. And when I got off the show, the show ended. Um, I woke up the next morning, and I had the biggest smile on my face. 
And here I thought, you know, I'd go on the show and I wake up the next morning and I wouldn't be able to show my face to the world. You know, I would be so embarrassed by what I'd shared. I shared all the abuse, all of the sexual abuse. And instead I woke up and for the first time in my life, I was actually able to show up and show my face in the world because I was no longer carrying this deep, shameful secret that I'd finally spoken the truth, you know, and, and, um, and I was greeted with this panel of people that understood and I had a community and I was able to, to stand tall and be myself. Um, and so that's what NASCA and being able to break the silence um, was able to do for me. Um, and so whether you're, you know, you're ready or not to, to tell the world, like I think what I did was very unusual, um, or tell someone you trust, you know, or tell a few people. Um, I think it takes a lot of courage. And I encourage, you know, I encourage anyone and everyone um, my number's on the NASCA website. I know Kim's number is. Call one of us. We're all on there on the NASCA website under contact. We're happy to take calls. Talk. You're always welcome to talk because there are those of us that are, have our numbers out there, you know, we, we understand and, and we're there. Um, and we realize the, the power um, that comes with um, disclosure and with, and with conversation. So thank you for allowing me to share that story. Um, I think that scan number, if you ever want to listen to my first show, I think it was 2263, scan number 2263 or 2273. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, too. You're welcome. 2263. I don't think I've ever heard your full story on there. We've talked about your story a lot, but I don't know if I've ever heard it, so. I might just have to. <laughs> um, that I was, was going to say. Uh, <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah. What were you going to say? Yeah, that was my very first one. So my, that was my maiden voyage. So um, I, I sound very nervous. Um, but I think what's really great about the, the shows um, is that, um, and Philip knows this, and, and um Caller um, with area code 931, um, I just wanted to let you know as well as you may already be aware. But I love the fact that NASCA does archive all of their shows, especially the special guest night where people tell their stories, because um, so many people go back and listen to them. And I go back and listen to them, not my story, but other stories, because whenever I'm having, you know, a rough day or self-doubt or, you know, dealing with the ramifications of, my mother or my sister, my brother, you know, blackballing me from the family and, you know, keeping me out of a family gathering and I'm just, you know, hurting, you know, I'll listen to someone else's story and it gives me the courage just to keep going. And so I love the fact that they're archived and I use them as a tool for myself, you know, because I think we all need that um, encouragement no matter, you know, how many years we've been, you know, on the road to recovery. I think it's really helpful. So I just wanted to pass it on. The archive. I think there are over 3,000 shows archived at this point. And each one 
Um, if you go to the archives, it has a little synopsis paragraph on what the show is about, so you can read about um, the, you know, the bio, basically, of whoever's disclosing their story, and it's, that's also very helpful. Yeah, I, well, I was going to say, I think to be exact, it's 3,226 that should be on there, right? <laughs> Well, maybe there's a few less. Oh, that's true. That's true, right. Yeah, that, that and then I think, you know, I don't know if they're in the archives, but I know that the show was called something different. So I think Bill said that there are almost a thousand other shows that were done before the scan, Stop Child Abuse Now shows. So I think he's done over 4,000 shows in total. But I'm not sure if they're all archived. But, yes, you're right. You're right, Kim. This is scan number 3,326, so there are at least (laughs) 3,226. Yeah. And I think it's so common. I mean, there's so many people that have told their story for the first time. I was one of those as well on NASCA. And um, I I don't know that I think, thought a whole lot about how many people (laughs) were going to see it. I just but I, I remember being very, very nervous as well. But, um, I remember I was on your show, Kim. I remember. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it looks like Nancy um, joined us tonight. Did you want to join in, Nancy? Just something to say? Nope. It's glad where I am. I just tuned in, and I don't know what's going on, but I'm just grateful that the show went well, and thank you all for taking care of tonight. Hey, did you hear what the topic was the very first time? Did you hear what we talked about the very first time when we started the show? Nope, I just walked in. No, I missed it. What was it, the topic? (laughs) Well, Philip brought up being grateful. So when you just said that, that's why I wondered. Because you sounded like you hadn't, but then you said grateful. Well, perfect. Well, 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 you're right on target. Hey, God will put us right on time. I'm grateful. Amen to that. Well, Nancy, I'm grateful to you and Kim for covering for me for seven and a half weeks, for eight weeks. Bless you, and thank you. You are welcome. Yeah, but next time I want to go, don't just leave me here. <laughs> Take me Trust with you, me. Penelope. <laughs> you are more than welcome to come. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I, I oh, thought I may want yeah. to escape to the Greek island. Yeah. Are you? Just build your own little Maybe. hut out there and <laughs> just run away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes it sounds really nice. I would miss my grandkids, so I'd have a hard time with them. I have to come visit them at some point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I appreciate yeah. caller 931 calling in. I That was, you know, um, because she, she inspires me to keep going right. when I hear, you know, her her testimony and her support of what we do, Kim um, and Philip and, and Nancy, that that encourages me to keep going. It's very powerful, and I really appreciate her calling in. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I feel the same way. 
I have much gratitude. I do. I do too. I know I can be grumpy too. But I have gratitude. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's okay. We all have our grumpy days. <laughs> that's right. You know, I mean, I learned that sometimes it's okay for even adults to have tantrums as not as, as long as they're not very often. So on occasion, I have, you know, I need to give myself a timeout. Right. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever shared on on this when my kids would start to get on my nerves. If I could just switch my mind into thinking, you know, I need to make them laugh so that we can have a nice dinner, and I would I would do things like just throw a fake tantrum, and that would get their attention. And I'd even put myself <laughs> on the floor at times and just kind of start kicking my feet around, and they just look at me, like you know, and then everybody would start laughing. <laughs> and, but when it, the tension was getting too much, I would do that. I was just like, I just had to figure out something to <laughs> change this atmosphere. That's brilliant. <laughs> probably wouldn't work so good with your your grown men anymore, but but it would probably get their attention. It would get their attention. That's right. <laughs> I was kind of curious. Um, I don't know what this just came to mind. Did you did your boys all were they all really happy to be together, and or did you have some of the sibling rivalry since they were back together? Was it well? Um, were they just you know for the most. For the most part, I have to say I was a little bit worried about that because, you know, being gone, you know, for that long, and then the three of them were basically sharing, like, a triple, you know, a room with three beds. I thought, oh, my gosh, you know. But then again, they're in college. They're living in dorms. They're already, like, living like sardines. And they were really happy to see each other. And I had this big conversation with them, you know, before the trip about don't triangulate because there's three of you. And when it's two against one, that stinks. And so you're going to have to learn how to resolve your conflicts constructively. And if you can't, then your dad and I are going to get involved and you don't want that to happen because you're in college. Now you probably won't be treated like children. So for the most part, they really did get along very well. Um, and and uh, so that was good. So thanks for asking. I was very, I was, I was really happy. Um, and, uh, and they had, you know, they had more freedom this time because they're in college. So they didn't have to be with us 24-7. So I think that helped. Um, this, you know, in Greece, that the same rules don't apply. Like in the United States, you can't run a car until you're 25 years old. But in Greece, like a 20 year old run a car. So they had a, they had a car um, that that they were, you know, they were able right. to take around. So they did have some autonomy. So I think that helped. And then in Europe, we were just so on the go all the time. So anyway, thanks for asking. It was it was oh. it was really great. And then maybe a little bit of the work that I've done, hopeful, but a little bit of the work that I've done helped in setting expectations and preparing for this trip, the fact that there wasn't a blow-up, you know, really, um, in seven weeks, which is good. I guess that's good, you know. Yeah. No, I think I had a a crying tantrum one day because the four of them went to lunch. Well, I checked into the hotel in, um, in Salzburg, and they all, like, I hadn't eaten all day, and they all ate without me, and nobody texted me and asked me if they could bring me back anything to eat. So I just started crying because nobody remembered their mom and I was starving. Oh, that was well, the time I well, yeah, well, that was nice. <laughs> you know, that was yeah. 
<laughs> anyway. Um, so we would be for you, Penelope. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but no, thank you for asking. It was really great. And I feel very blessed. And after it was, it was a very tough year. And um, so it was really nice to have that trip. So thank you. As you know, it was a very tough year. So. Yeah. A lot going on. Yeah. A lot of. Yeah. Do you mind yeah, me asking so, how your husband's doing, or would you rather not? Yeah. So, no, it's fine. So, you know, right now it looks like he's in remission, um, and um, he's on. So it looks like, you know, so far so good. He just had his blood work done again because he was very fatigued on the trip, but everything, he's in remission. So we'll take it. You know, it's metastatic disease with cancer, and when it's metastatic, you know, you go from one result to the next. And so um, thank you for all your prayers, everyone. Um, right now, everything's good. Oh, thank you. He's okay <laughs> for now. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Glad you did that. Um, glad you guys had your your last trip with all your boys and. That's right. Yeah, it goes so fast. It does. It does. It does. And thank you. And I, I really, I know it's like life goes by really super fast. And. uh it's really just crazy, right, how the time just flies. So, yeah, we're already halfway through summer. How'd that happen? I know. <laughs> I know. We're almost done. Like, July 17th. I know. It's like halfway done. That's just not a – well, how did that happen? <laughs> so, you know, Philip and Kim, I actually found this quote on gratitude, and I had been looking for it that I, um, I've had for a very long time, um, and I'd like to read it as we close out the show, if that's okay with you. It's a quote about gratitude. And the quote is as follows. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. Um, that's Melanie Beattie. So, I like that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I do, too. I really appreciate that one. And, and Philip, I want to thank you for bringing the topic of gratitude and um, self-truth, um, some great topics to the table tonight, and for um, your interaction. Um, I really appreciate you being on with us, and I enjoy. Um, it's great to interact with people. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Great. Are you having a good summer, Philip? Um, yeah. Are you going back to school then in the fall? Um, no, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I'm volunteering right now, so I'm focusing on that. Okay. Well, that's probably more gratifying than a job most of the time. I know you don't get paid, but it's it's more gratifying. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to spend time with my grandkids. So. We've still got some more things to do, though. 
summer's not over yet. <laughs> yeah. What's the weather like over there? Well, today it's like got up to 98. Pretty warm out there. <laughs> but it wasn't as sunny as usual. It was kind of overcast today, so that was kind of different for Colorado. Colorado doesn't always have such a this week it's going to be in the 90s, so it's going to be nice and warm. But you all stay cool, too. It's kind of going over the, the state, isn't it? It's hot right now. Over the country? Yeah, definitely. Well, Philip, I want to thank you for calling in. You stay cool. And Tim, it was great doing the show with you tonight. Really great. Um, I've missed yeah, you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you're back. Thank you. And Thanks a lot. Have a good rest of the week. Thanks a lot. Good night, people. Goodbye. And as I always say, when I sign off on the NASA shows, there are enough adult eyes and ears on this planet to keep every one of our children safe. So if you see something, if you hear something, please say something, do something. It's our responsibility to do so. Thank you and good night. Love Talk Radio.